Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families, centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, here on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Family Room. I'm John Gordon, and I'm here with co-host Mari Cleveland. Mari, how are you? Hello, I'm doing great. Thanks, John. Good. Craig Wiesmeyer. Are you sure you're John Gordon? Not. I, I am today. <laughs> okay, good. What Just tomorrow brings? Not so, sure. That's... So... <laughs> <laughs> so you're good. I'm good. Okay, I'm great. Well. As am I. Thank you. So today is cool. Today is cool because we frequently interview authors with great, you know, great books, folks who've written insightful and inspiring books. Uh, today's guest is an author of sorts. <laughs> today's guest has co-authored and published nine books. Oh, do tell, do tell. Books yep. in quotations. Books in quotations. You can't see my air quotes because I didn't do any really. <laughs> but we actually read from one of those books on our show because the nine books that our guest has written, co-written with her husband, are her nine children. We interviewed John Paul Van Arks. Um, when? Von Arks. Uh, Von Arks. What, oh, De- yeah, December, I think. So, a few weeks ago. Anyway, so um, so John Paul von Arx joined us a couple weeks ago, and today we're going to get a special treat for that. So, But maybe before we do that, Craig, you want to open us in prayer? Absolutely. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, and fill all of our hearts. Open us up to your wisdom and your love. And help us to see how there are tasks that you give us every day that have such a huge impact on the world, teaching our children, um, you know, leading Bible studies, whatever it is. Sometimes you ask us to do the small things, but with a lot of love, with a lot of grace and a lot of commitment. We just ask you to continue to pour out your spirit on all of us. Let us love our families more deeply to uh, guide us in how we can serve, whether it's as grandparents, parents, and we just ask you, Lord God, to shed your light on all of that we do and all of that we are. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. So as you just heard from John, our guest today is Beth Von Arks. We are so excited to have her. Beth, welcome into the family room. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. We are so excited, too, because this is new for you. Um, you are just taking a step in faith and trusting your son, John Paul. As our listeners, our regular listeners know, we interviewed John Paul about his amazing song that he had and the music video a lot that went along with it. Um, that he's different from me and Honor, he's different honoring Sam. Yeah. 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 Honoring his, his brother, his brother, Sam. And we loved John Paul so much. And then he told us that he was one of nine children and that his mom homeschooled. And we said, John Paul, we just need to stop talking to you and talk to your mother. <laughs> so we are so thankful that you were willing to say yes, to say yes, to being able to do that. Um, and so if the rest of your children are as amazing and wonderful as John Paul, everybody is going to start sitting their children your way because they want we want you to raise them right <laughs> so um but so welcome into the family room and um tell us first of all what's your husband's name 
Joe. Joe. So we've got to give Joe some credit too, I'm sure, right? So Absolutely. Okay. So Beth and Joe <laughs> and then Yes. And then you've got nine children who you homeschooled. And I'm sure in some of our conversation, you may end up sharing a little bit more about them. But um, but so we are so thankful for you, to have you on today. Thank you. So one of the things we we our listeners truly enjoy hearing is we have different guests. We ask them just to give us a little kind of peek into their faith walk. So what is what was faith like in your life as, as you grew up, Beth? Key moments, key things in your personal faith walk. So I did grow up in a Catholic family. I'm the second oldest of seven. Mm. You know, I was raised in the 70s and the 80s. So my mom and dad were devout, and we, we did pray the rosary as a family, um, usually in the car. Um, <laughs> when we were on back-and-forth trips, we went to Catholic grade school for some of— I went to Catholic grade school for some of my education, uh, fifth through eighth grade and then public high school after that. Um, I think for me personally, it would be the rosary. I've always had a devotion to the rosary, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, probably the first uncatechized generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was um, very much raised with, you know, God is a butterfly type of stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so um, it was a challenge um, imparting the faith to my children. I learned it along with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but all through my growing up years, I had a personal devotion to the rosary. And I really believe that was just a gift and a grace to me personally from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's amazing how God will reach us in different ways, right? Well, and I I think too, it it continues to, um, confirm and John, you brought up our lady a lot. Yes. You know, confirm our ladies, um, uh, wanting to be involved in our lives her guiding and directing us. And, you know, amazingly, when you prayed the rosary, I'm really surprised she didn't say, you, you've you lost your mind to want to homeschool, number one, and then to homeschool nine kids on top of it. But obviously, she knew something that, that, uh, that, that maybe uh, I, I, looking from the outside, would not have. So what was it, if it, what you could say, that motivated you to homeschool your children? It certainly wasn't something I ever wanted to do. Mm. That's fine. Um, in fact, when I was when I was teaching, I was a teacher before mm-hmm. we had children. Um, it was something that was not thought of highly of at all mm-hmm. in the yeah. teaching uh, um, the teachers' lounge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. we made fun of it. You know, was like, oh my gosh, those kids are going to be socially backward. <laughs> well, as you can tell from John Paul, <laughs> there's nothing socially backward about John Paul. <laughs> I will say that out of the nine children, I only have a couple that are extroverted. Most of them are in, introverts. Okay. They're all socially um, comfortable, but it costs them something. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest daughter, Catherine, and John Paul. So they're number two, and John Paul's number two. She's number three. They're fifteen months apart. Those they are my flaming extroverts. <laughs> um, and then our sixth child, Max, flaming extrovert as well. Otherwise, the other six um, children, more introverted. Okay. Some painfully so, but yet they can hold their own in a social set- setting, but it costs them something. Yes. So um, never, never intended to homeschool. Um, our first child, Joe, uh, very introverted, shy, quiet, not so much at home with his siblings, but 
out in out in the world. So if I wanted to put them like in a park district little program, John Paul couldn't wait to get out the door. <laughs> he wouldn't. Joe wouldn't leave my leg. You know, we're talking little guy, little kids, yeah. you know, like maybe four and three. Um, and then as kindergarten loomed, my husband and I were talking about what are we going to do? You know, should we put them in the Catholic grade school? Or should we possibly keep them home, maybe just for kindergarten? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we prayed about it separately, and the Lord gave us each to know in that time, keep them home for kindergarten. So honestly, homeschooling was going to be a one-year deal for the oldest kid for kindergarten. <laughs> well, I kind of went into panic mode. I have a, a master's in secondary ed, um, and I taught um, high school-level um, science, uh, chemistry pre- predominantly, and math. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how to teach reading. <laughs> Reading's pretty important. What if I screw it up? Like I was kind of panicked about the whole thought of teaching this little kid to read. But the Lord is faithful. So then what happened was is I went I had an opportunity to go down to the National Right to Life Convention one mm-hmm. the year that we were trying to that we had decided to homeschool him. It was in the spring and then we would start the following fall you know, mm-hmm. kindergarten. And I had been praying, Lord, you're going to have to help me out here because, again, reading is so important. What if I mess that up, you know? Completely out of my league feeling. I'm down at the National Right to Life Convention in Nashville, Tennessee that, that year, and I'm standing in line for something. I can't remember what. And there's this woman in front of me, complete stranger. And she turns around and starts talking to me, and she's like, oh, yeah, I homeschool my kids. I'm like, oh, well, I think I'm going to be homeschooling our oldest in the fall, but I have no clue what to do on how to teach reading. And she's like, oh, you have to do that. Uh, there's this great curriculum. It's Amish. <laughs> like, oh. And she's like, yeah, and they don't, you know, Amish. There's no, um, there's just, it's just published information. Right. Well, and this was before the time of computers, so there wasn't anything online. But anyway, she she was faithful. She sent me a, an order form, and she told me, like, this is a really good, you know, like, order this, this, and this. And I just took a step out in faith, figuring the Lord put this woman in my, my path. My question got answered. I ordered these materials, and away we went. And, yeah, so all my kids learned to read with an Amish reading program. <laughs> Oh my gosh, God's faithfulness is so beautiful. The couple things about your story as you just described this that I love. One is that you and Joe prayed together about it and you individually listened to God and then came back together and share what shared what God gave you as a, a response. And so you both were faithfully in, invested in this, which is so beautiful. Um, and I guess I should hesitate here and just say, so what role did Joe play? Because obviously you were the... You were the primary teacher, it sounds like, but what role did Joe play once you guys got the answer from God? So he he didn't play an active role in the day-to-day mm-hmm. homeschooling experience. Mm-hmm. He just supported me. Perfect. Which is, yeah, which is what I needed, especially as, you know, more and more babies came and it was, it was one, it, you know, I was, I was, had every single educational level for, for quite a number of years in a row. You know, <laughs> there's a lot to juggle, plus do meals, plus do laundry, plus how do you run a house? I mean, the whole thing. 
And so he supported me. Mm-hmm. And when I was perplexed on how to do something, and usually it was like, you know, a behavioral issue or a character issue with the kids or whatever, then he would help me navigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the day-to-day homeschooling part of it, we always called him the principal. And <laughs> I was, you know, no one wanted to go to the principal's office. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I think yeah. that's lovely because I think that's one of those when people start to count the cost, right, and look at the pros and cons, they think, oh, how can I run the rest of my life? I'm not going to be able to do that. And so it took some um, maybe changing of expectations for both of you of what a typical life was going to look like because the house probably wasn't neat and clean and tidy all the time. You know, wherever you were doing school, that that table maybe had to be stripped to eat dinner on or, you know, whatever. So it's interesting how we have to kind of change some of our thoughts. Especially on multiple levels. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine my wife homeschooled Christian for a few years, did a marvelous job, was never a teacher. But when you think, you know, I actually had family that grew up in, in, in Ohio out in the country, single room schoolhouse. Where you had multiple grades, mm-hmm. that yeah. I was like, I did, I'm like, that makes no sense to me. I, I can't even imagine. But to do it at home, and do it in that environment would be even crazier for me. So I mean, what a, what a blessing that God could bring you to that. Well, yeah, and it, you know what? You grow into it, of course. So we started with Joe in kindergarten, which was really actually for me, it was an incredible grace. Um, so when Joe was five it's like mom i really want to know what the letters mean you mm-hmm. know when we would read books mm-hmm. and then, oh boy here we go okay so he was five john was four Catherine was three annie was one so what i did was i put the other kids down for their afternoon naps and then i just put him on my lap and i would just make up these little um worksheets as we were sitting there you know colors numbers letters whatever kindergarten stuff but what happened that the Lord knew, but I didn't, was that I discovered the joy of teaching my child to read. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what that would be like. And also, with the babies coming so fast and furious, so to speak, <laughs> um, and him being the oldest, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I mean, I was present to him, but it wasn't always that one-on-one intense time. Right. And so to have him on my lap for an hour every afternoon, and he would just snuggle in, and we would laugh, and I just discovered who he was Mm. as an individual. It was such a grace. And he blossomed over that year. He started coming out of that shell he was in when we were outside of our family unit. Mm -hmm. Um, He he just blossomed. And I did, too. Mm. I did, too. There was such a joy in my heart for that special time I had with him. And I'm just so grateful. And I, I'm just so grateful. What a grace. So we're in the yeah. family room with Beth Von Arks and we're calling Beth an author because she and her husband uh, authored nine children and <laughs> authored because she taught them, she homeschooled them. Beth, thanks for being here with us. You kind of started down a path. Give us a little bit of a sense of how did you manage a typical day in the Von Arks family? Because you said, you had, you know, all these kids at all these different levels. By the way, when you said you had like different, the same level for multiple years, I, I had a real vision of my grammar school. Like, I'm pretty sure I had the same level for multiple years there. <laughs> but, um, but how did you manage all that? Okay. 
okay, so like I started to say, you, you grow into it. Right. You know, you grow into it. But a typical day when all of the kids were still at home, how in, it was very intense, but it was very beautiful. I like to describe it as a, a very um, rich, chaotic Catholic mm. family life. Yeah. So what helped me survive was the kids and I worked together to be a team. I liked always to be, you know, hey, you know, this is Team Von Arks, all right? <laughs> and we all need to pull together like dogs on a dog sled to get the job done. As far as the school goes, we were in school every morning by 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So that means the kids had to be up. All the ones that had been already received their first communion, they would go to 6.30 Mass with Dad mm-hmm. in the morning. And then I would be up and... Um, they'd be home by seven. We're very fortunate that uh, church is just a couple miles down the road. So they'd be home a little after seven. And then what I, I did to try to manage the whole breakfast thing, because, you know, if you can just get the day started well, it tends to flow well to the end. <laughs> so I broke them into teams. And so we called it breakfast buddies. So one of the older kids would be in charge of one of the younger kids to get them up, dressed, um, get their breakfast, so that we were all ready, all set. Everyone was had eaten and was at least reasonably dressed by eight o'clock, <laughs> and we we're getting, you know, we're we're in the schoolroom then getting ready to go. And so um, we live in a three-bedroom ranch with a family room, and the family room became our schoolroom. Mm. So they each had desks which they loved. They loved having their own autonomous space. And um, and I had my desk in here. And then I always had a basket of toys for whoever the toddler was. And they could only have those toys during school time. Oh, smart. Um, yeah, lots of toddler stories. And what do you do <laughs> with the, the baby and the toddlers, right? And so often I would have the baby on my lap or in the little, you know, baby seat next to me. And I'd be rocking it with my feet as I was doing reading with the little kid learning to read. So that was our school day. And we were always done by with school between 11 and 12. Awesome. We just got down to it. And how I structured our day was I, the first 20 minutes of the day, first we would start with prayer. We would do, um, I had these, these cards. There was a card for every day of the year. And it was a saint, whoever the feast day was. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And some of the saints were well-known, some were obscure, so we'd do the saint of the day, um, and then they would start. And I always told them, do your Mass first, because generally that's what took the longest, and they're always fresh in the morning, so their brains are firing a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) So they would work, work on their Mass lessons, and I would spend the first 20 minutes of the actual schooling time with whoever the new the new learning to read kid was that year mm. because my whole approach to um, teaching all these different levels, my approach was get them reading well mm-hmm. and the rest falls into place. Mm. Yeah. Wise. But if you're constantly having to read the directions and, you know, read, 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 because they're not reading well, it takes a lot of time and it takes time away from everybody else. So my kids knew that, we were not to be disturbed when I was working with the kid who I was teaching to read. And the one thing I learned the hard way is that when you're teaching a a young one to read, consistency is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And with 
the whole world is falling apart because sometimes that's the reality of of life and especially life with a lot of people to manage. If I could at least sit down and do those 10 or 15 minutes of the reading lesson with the new reader, consistency, 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 I knew that by the time we started in September, by Christmas, they were starting to read fairly well so that it wasn't so time intensive on my end anymore. Hmm. So my whole approach to getting them launched is teach them to read, have them reading well, and the rest falls into place. And so, you know, little little kids don't need a full five or six class curriculum. Reading, um, math is important, and their little religion lesson for, you know, kindergarten, first, second, third grade even, um, gradually introducing more and more subjects. Mm. So fifth grade bumps up. That was always a transitional year. Um, more subjects, more independence, more expectation for sixth grade, which then would be junior high. It was intense. Yeah, I want to find out that where we get the Von Arks book and uh, learning materials, because I think we're <laughs> going to market it on our end and, and may, help you make some money, because, I mean, that's that's incredible wisdom. I it mean, is, it is wise. I'd have been so screwed up. I'm glad my wife, and I'm glad you handled that, because my, my poor kids wouldn't have been, been able to read, write, or even, uh, never mind. <laughs> um, what? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's interesting though because when, when I listen to you, there's a uniqueness to you, and it sounds like a little bit of a uniqueness to your family. If there is one, what would you say the most unique thing was with all of you that helped you do this, or maybe even that was a bigger challenge than you thought, other than having nine children and seeming to have multiple Irish twins? <laughs> unique, unique. The culture was changing during those years. Mm -hmm. So this was when we started out, you, you know, cell phones weren't even invented yet. Mm -hmm. uh, personal computers weren't invented yet. The Internet wasn't even a thing yet. And so we love to read as a family. And I had read a book, a phenomenal book by Michael O'Brien called A Landscape with Dragons. And the premise of his book was it was an expose on how children's literature has changed over the last 60 years. And it used to be in children's literature, thinking back, that the dragon represented evil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a clear delineation between good and evil and characters that had to overcome obstacles and fight evil both in themselves and externally, to become the best version of themselves, so, so to speak, to become holy. He showed how children's literature has changed now so that we all become very comfortable being friends with the dragon. Mm. Oh, wow. Interesting. Very powerful. I read that book, and, and um, it so convicted me of how important it was to be very careful about what we allow between our ears. Yeah. Because some images we never can get rid of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was, I, I think, unique in things we constantly bumped up against when our kids would engage, you know, the culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course they did. And of right. course they needed to. And to become 
um, well-rounded, good, you know, well-adjusted adults. They needed to engage the culture mm-hmm. and have friends outside of our little family and the neighbor kids and um, all of that um, and social activities. But what was unique is that we didn't have we didn't have a television in the sense of we never had network television and we'd never had, um, yeah, I guess at the time it'd be network television. Yeah. And so we had, you know, we had a, a VCR mm-hmm. and things like that, but whatever was allowed in through the eyes or the ears, we were very discerning about. We were yeah. very discerning about. And I know there's like, Oh, it's just a circle the wagon mentality. Well, not really. It's protecting their innocence yeah. until age appropriate. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that we made some very hard decisions, that we had to say no a lot. But every time we said no to something in the culture that was being heavily promoted and encouraged and, you know, the temptation uh, was there, Every time we said no, we tried to say yes to something else. Mm. Okay. So when all the other kids were going to Disney World, which, of course, that was so far out of reach, (laughs) but it did come up. Sure. (laughs) Instead of saying, oh, no, um, the real reason was we couldn't afford it. I never really wanted to try to always bring that up to the kids, you know. I, I never wanted them to think that. They couldn't have a big family as well. Right. Okay. Right. We would say, no, we're not going to do that. But dad's taking you guys camping this weekend, which they love to go camping with dad. Or we we invested in bikes. And so we would go biking as a family. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times when we'd be biking through the neighborhood and it'd be this long <laughs> string of bikes with my husband at the front with um, whoever the kind of the toddlers were at the time and one of those we always called it the rickshaw one of those like little, <laughs> little sidecar thing <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Behind it, yeah you know with the cover yep. um and then i would be in the i would be bringing up the rear with whoever like the little kid was still in training wheels trying to keep encouraging them to keep up and keep going and then i would have the baby in the in a carrier in the back of my bike <laughs> And I mean, just this thing, and people would stop and they'd start counting and they'd make all these comments. But anyway, so unique would be um, that we were very attentive to what the kids uh, saw and heard. Yeah, no, that's great. That is such wise advice. So stay tuned for um, more with Beth Von Arks and more wise advice here in the family room. We'll be right back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite, right after this. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. My name is Father Dan Ketter, a priest of the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and I want to share with you a favorite prayer of mine. This comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and possess. Thou hast given all to me. To thee, O Lord, I return it. All is thine. Dispose of it wholly according to thy will. Give me thy love and thy grace, and this is sufficient for 
The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. RU486 is the name of the medication combination used to complete medical abortions. The first medication, Mifeprex, blocks the action of progesterone, a hormone needed to continue the pregnancy. This medication starves the baby, causing the death of the baby. The second medication is misoprostol and is taken between 12 and 48 hours later. It causes the woman to have severe cramping and bleeding and results in the expulsion of the baby at home. Did you know that between taking the first pill and the second pill, the mother can change her mind and save her baby? Visit abortionpillreversal.com to learn more. There's potential to save the baby even 72 hours after the first pill. Spread the word and help save a baby today. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Father Larry Richards of Open Line Thursday. I just want to talk to you about the importance of Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio is an instrument of salvation. People hear about Jesus Christ through Catholic Radio and they get to live forever. But we need you to help us. Please pray for us so that we can continue this work. This is your home and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like EWTN open line available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. One day I asked myself, if I reconnected with God and went to church, how would my life change? So I did, and I found real answers and peace. You can too. Find what you've been missing at catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig. Sponsored by Verse Sprite on AM 1160, The Quest. We're here with Beth Van Arks, who we kiddingly said is the author of nine books and referring to her nine children. And you've done an amazing job of detailing your wisdom in, in teaching these children and all you've done. But we would like to hear, uh, as Mari just said at the break, how you know your family room tended to be your school room as well. But I'm sure you have a family room memory, whether it was growing up or, I mean, with this brood of, of, of wonderful children. What is a family room memory that comes to mind that really stands out to you? This really doesn't have anything to do with our homeschooling experience, but our ninth child was born in January of 2008. A little boy named Sam with Down syndrome. Completely out of our element. Mm. <laughs> the Lord really knows what Zing. you need. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but he was born premature, very tiny. He was three pounds, 15 ounces. Oh, wow. Just, he was so tiny that when we finally could bring him home from the NICU, which was not until um, almost a month later. He was so tiny that he didn't fit in any of the normal newborn yeah. equipment. Yeah. You know, like those little baby seats that you put him in mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or whatever. He was just too tiny. So our daughters brought up all their, uh, their baby stuff, their mm -hmm. little baby um, stroller and their little baby... Um, like bassinet or things like that. Yeah, cradle. Yeah. Um, my husband had made each of the girls a little cradle. 
and they and and so he hung out in there because he was just <laughs> <That's> tiny. <great. laughs> yeah, it was. But so Sam was, like I said, born premature, and in the NICU, so he couldn't come home right away. The night we brought him home, it was cold. It was a snowstorm, and we brought him home, and it was like I said, it was at night, and in the living room, um, I took him out of whatever he was in. And I laid him on the floor on a blanket, this teeny tiny little baby. And I kid you not, the kids just came right into the room Mm -hmm. and they laid on the floor like spokes on a wheel, (laughs) him being in the center. All all the other eight kids, these eight spokes. And they just marveled at him. Like they they would just say something like, oh, he's so tiny. He just moved. He just squeaked. He just moved. Oh, look at he's stretching. Oh, look. And it was so beautiful. And I just marveled and I, I, I probably was crying and just watching them love the presence of their brother. And when we got the diagnosis of Sam, our oldest, uh, Joe at the time, I think he was 15. And it was so important to me that my younger children didn't see a brother that was different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just wanted them to know they had a new baby brother. Right. So we didn't tell them that Sam had Down syndrome. We told our older children because we didn't know. Uh, we thought he probably would have a heart issue. Oh. And we didn't know if he would immediately need surgery or anything like that after birth. And we didn't know if he'd be sick. And so wanted them to be on board to just know that we would probably need some extra help with the little kids. But we didn't want our younger children to know that there was anything different about Sam. And so to see the reaction to him was just so precious, so precious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's when you said that's what immediately came to mind. Oh, my gosh. The spokes on a wheel when we brought Sam <laughs> home. It was such a joy. Mm-hmm. It was such a joy. That's a beautiful story. What a great a thing. Beautiful image, right? Yeah, oh. Absolutely. So I confess, Beth, that when um, when John Paul shared with us that that you had homeschooled um, your nine children, uh, I said so we all agreed that we want to talk to this woman. But I had this personal thing kind of banging around the back of my brain because our middle child, oldest daughter, has three boys, um, five, two, and new, and um, <laughs> that rhymes. <laughs> Um, but Too new to have she, she genuinely wants to homeschool her kids. And, and so I'm kind of, I'm listening and certainly going to have her listen to this episode. And, and I will tell you that she lives in North Carolina and it's a lot nicer there than Northern Illinois, just for the record. Come visit, come visit. <laughs> no, seriously. So I'm sure you've given wise counsel to, um, to parents. Talk about that a little bit. So sometimes I have, you know, new mom come and just ask, hey, how do I get started? I'm not sure I can do this. I've also had the experience of more uh, older moms or more experienced moms is that I'm ready to quit. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So to the new mom, you know, I would say don't even hesitate. Just it's go. the best decision we made. It just became a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It became what we did. And I... Looking back over the decades, I marvel that we all survived. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing is that as an older mom now um, and the mom of adult children, Mm -hmm. I can look at my child and not. So if my one of my children, one of my adult children who are now having raising their own children, 
walks in the house, I can look at them and immediately know if they're okay or not. Mm. There's that much of a connection because we were together day in and day out, year after year for hours and hours and hours every day. And their peer group didn't become their dominant influence. All of us as a family influenced each other. Mm. And so that's such a joy to me as an older mom, as a grandma, where I can look at any one of my children and I can know if they're okay or not just by looking at them. Mm. So there's that. The second thing is that um, don't worry about, don't get too much ahead of yourself. Mm. So like your daughter, five. Okay, we're talking kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Having been there, not knowing what to do with (laughs) kindergarten, it's, it's not hard at all. You can do it. And it's, it's, it's usually when you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade level where the math gets a little more challenging mm-hmm. for most moms. It's always the math. It's always the math. It's never, I, I can't teach my kids, you know, grammar. No, it's always the math. There are enough of us homeschooling moms who have a math background that we'd be willing, that are always willing to help. Okay. We're now with the Internet, I am not a fan of Internet learning at all. I think we are doing our kids a huge disservice by not doing paper and pen learning because there's so much additional skills that come along with paper and pen learning that kids are not learning now. Not the least of which is how to organize my thoughts so that someone else can take them and critique them. Um, Okay, that's a whole other topic. (laughs) So what about the mom that wants to quit? Like what's going on there? So when, when, if someone approaches me and says, oh, my gosh, I don't know how you did it, I, I'm just done. I, I, I'm going to stick them all in school. Well, first of all, full confession, every homeschool mom on or around February 15th sees that school bus driving by in the morning and thinks, dang, I wish I could just shove them all in that school bus and be done with it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenge at times to keep going. But when someone truly is at the end of their rope, um, what I have found like seven out of 10 times is that it really isn't about the schooling. It's about the parenting. Uh-huh. It's, because it's a parenting issue. Mm-hmm. And how are you parenting your children to become cooperative, obedient, um, interested and in interesting individuals? And there's no easy answers to it. And every kid is different, you know, and when you've got the one kid whose temperament is completely opposite yours, as a parent and as an educator, it's a challenge to um, allow that child to develop to their full, fullest potential that you can. But at the same time, um, you know, you're reforming virtue and character as Catholics. We, we want to raise um, practicing, well-rounded Catholic adults. But the ultimate goal is we all want to get to heaven. So if it's a, it, 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 a parenting issue, then is, okay, mom, how is your day going? And what is your challenge? And how do you address that? And there's no reason why a nine-year-old boy's math lesson has to take three hours to get completed. Huh. That doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... Um, so to really work with with moms who are frustrated to, to in in parenting in parenting children and in, <laughs> parenting a kindergarten is way different than parenting an eighth grader or a fifteen year old. Yeah, 
and you grow into all of that as well. So, so yeah. So as you as you say that, what I'm thinking about is exactly why we started this show in the first place, right? We started this show to offer hope and encouragement, truth and wisdom to families and to parents. Because as you just said, parenting is such a huge component of anything and everything you're doing. And if you are not homeschooling your kids, you have fewer hours of the day to actually parent. And as I listened to you, what I thought was, wow, so when you're homeschooling, not only are you homeschooling, and obviously, as you said, you're growing along with your children from that perspective, you're also growing as a parent because you're getting more practice time of trying out different parenting skills. And having other wise women talk to you about various ways to parent and you're getting to understand your children and how what they what things they might need from you that are different th- from the child who came before because as you as we all know you don't parent every child exactly the same way um mm-hmm. but as you talked right before the break too so much of it too is just being so aware of being discerning being discerning about what you're allowing into your home what you're allowing into their minds what you're allowing into their ears and through their eyes and learning how to say no and all of these skills as parents that it takes some practice to be able to be able to do that and it takes fortitude to be able to do that so you living in a virtue at the same time is so encouraging to hear beth that there is a mom and many moms and dads out there who are doing this but it does take going against the culture a bit to do that yeah it was a challenge it was especially as the kids got older yeah and their social circles got bigger and you wanted them to step out into the wider world. That was a challenge. Mm-hmm. That was a challenge. And nothing really prepares you for it. Um, our oldest son, he was cute. One time he described himself as the snow plow of the family. <laughs> like he's plowing the way for the other kids. <laughs> we, Joe and I would joke and call him our experiment because we didn't know what we were doing. You know, every year was was kind of new with the next level and he was the he was the experiment <laughs> but you grow into it one of the things that i know for me personally it's really important as a mom of a lot of kids and you're you're juggling all these things and trying to keep it together um i tried to have a little bit of time just for myself every day so um, i would get up before when the house was quiet before everybody else and just have a little bit of time with the lord and that was so rich and fruitful for me that mm. I guarded that jealously if I could. You know, it was always hard with a new baby, but the Lord is faithful and he, he knows how much we need him, right? And then, so I, like I said, we would school in the morning, then we would have lunch, and then they would do their chores. I had a chore chart. And, um, and then their afternoons were spent playing, um, developing the talents that they had. John Paul did a lot of music. One of his siblings is incredibly artistic. They're all artistic. They take after their dad in that regard. <laughs> but one is incredibly artistic, and she would just draw all afternoon. Mm. It was just wonderful. So afternoons were spent playing. I think, you know, your job is to do school and play. And then um, we would do what I would used to call a 4 o'clock pickup before my husband came home from work. And everyone would come in. I'm like, okay, we're picking up the house. <laughs> and so we'd go to every room because they were all trashed. we'd go to every room room and i would do what i would call a 15 count pickup i would stand in the doorway and they would all run around like little mice and i would count and the the goal was to get the entire room looking decent and picked up by the count of 15 wow and yeah we go we we call it the 15 count pickup and so we would do that in every room so that when joe walked in the house was picked up you know dinner was started 
And he thought, wow, she's really doing a great job with all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to agree with him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I wish we had a video of you just there. Okay. Leaning back with Terry laughing. He thought we had it. Uh, forget, forget, uh, forget about you writing books and, and putting programs together for homeschooling. Can you take over some of the uh, business and government institutions that <laughs> seem oh to gosh. be off the rails? <laughs> That, too, is a parenting problem. <laughs> I mean, wow, 15-minute pickup. I like that idea. I started by saying, you know, to take time. So then when when I could, when, when our oldest was, I'm just trying to remember, I think he was nine. I just needed to <laughs> take an afternoon walk. So I figured, well, I'll put the little kids down for their nap, and then if he could just watch the baby, I would just walk literally up and down my street. That's it. I didn't even turn the corner. Just up and down the street, figuring if he needed me, he could dash outside, holler, or wave his arms, and I would see him. So I would walk up and down the street and say a rosary. All by myself, collect my thoughts, enjoy the sunshine, whatever it was, or the snow, (laughs) and just 15 minutes. But I was getting a little bit of exercise. I was, no one was bugging me, you know, whatever. And then to do... As much as I could, it wasn't very often as much as I should have or wanted to, but to do a holy hour when I could. Mm-hmm. And there, there were times when I would just have a list of questions of things that I just needed the Lord to answer for me. You know, like, this kid is struggling here, and I don't know what, how to help them. Can you just show me what they need? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was amazing how the Lord is so faithful. Like, he would just show me. Like, maybe he doesn't need to do that amount of math every day. Let's just dial it back a little bit so that he's more relaxed, you know, whatever, whatever it was. So if mom can just get that in. But the one thing that as a family that we have always attended to, attended to, attended to is a daily rosary. Yeah. With, and it was, it's a non-negotiable. A lot of times this is what it looked like. Very much chaotic, <laughs> very much busy. But we did it. And, and and very often after dinner, my husband would grab a pillow and lay on the kitchen floor. I don't know. He called it the, there was some kind of a word that he had, this brandial position or something. And I'm like, what is that? He goes, well, it's a word that means that you lay on the floor after you eat to let your digestion start or something. I don't know. Kind of weird. He just needed he would a lay on the floor. Yeah, 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 essentially. He would lay on the floor and lead the rosary and all the rest of us would clean the kitchen oh, as cool. we answered him. So we said our family rosary while we were cleaning up after dinner. As the kids got older and their social group expanded, it was a non-negotiable that no one left the house to do anything after dinner until our family rosary was said. Oh, wow. So whichever kid, often it was John Paul, who had the, (laughs) the, you know, the engagement or the friends, come on, everybody, we're going to say the rosary right now. Everybody up here, we're saying the rosary right now because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to leave. Until we had our family rosary set. And I can't, another fun snapshot of the family room, so to speak, is when their friends would come to the door and we would all be in the living room saying the family rosary. Their friends would walk in and sit down and join right in. Cool. Over and over and over again. And sometimes we had 15 or 20 other kids in the, in the living room, all crammed in around the periphery praying the rosary with us because they knew that my kids wouldn't be allowed to leave until it was done. And I bet not all of them were Catholic either. 
some of them weren't, but they yeah. would just sit there and listen. That yeah. is beautiful. So if you are just joining us, you are here in the family room, both our family room and Beth Von Ark's <laughs> family room. And she is sharing with us um, just such a, a beautiful bounty of wisdom of being a homeschool mom and parent as well. So you mentioned that a lot of your kids were artistic. Um, for those people who are seriously thinking about homeschooling, what about other practical things like sports or um, or when it came, any other activities like that, how did you manage that type of thing? One of the things that tend, is happening in our culture is kids are so, they're so scheduled from yeah. even starting as young as three, three years of age. They're just scheduled, scheduled, scheduled. And there isn't any just relaxed, unstructured playtime. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have such a strong um, opinion, <laughs> among others, but a strong opinion that kids just need to play. They learn so much about who they are as individuals, about how the world works, about how they how other people, how to interact with other people just through play. And so I really didn't involve, get the kids involved in structured activities, not until they were older. Mm-hmm. And, and they would say, Hey, you know, can I be on this baseball team? I'm like, well, What's the commitment? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would weigh it. Is this something we could actually manage? And if the answer was yes, we tried it. If everything fell apart, then we knew, okay, that's that's not working so well for us as a family. You know, um, early on, my husband and I, we came to the decision, what is our goal as a family? What is our goal? And we, there's just one, one goal. We all want to go to heaven. Yeah. And we all want to be to heaven in heaven together. And so that dictated a lot of the decisions we made. Is this going to is this going to help us get to heaven or is this going to challenge us in getting to heaven? Mm. And if it was going to put a stress on that goal, very often the answer was no, we're not going to do that. Wow. So Excellent. I know it's totally countercultural, but we we were very, very intentional about that was the underlying, you know, motivating factor for whether or not we would do things that took us, that fragmented us as a family. So the boys played baseball, but we didn't do any of that traveling no. stuff. Yeah, no. Just so stressful. There's yeah. Families are so stressed today. And, you know, if the family is stressed, then you know 100% the marriage is stressed. Yeah. And kids know when mom and dad are not doing well. Yeah. And it's hard. And very often the answer is you've got to cut out, cut out, cut out, Simplify. and regain your roots again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? The irony of it, or counterculture, you said counterculture, and it made this like, it, this thought came to my brain, is like in our society now, our culture embraces free-range chickens and penned up kids. Oh, gosh. I mean, we're best. Yeah, we're just messed so up. True. Right? It's like it's so they got true. all these things we can't, but but don't, but let the animals roam free. You know what? It, and you may have to cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what made me think of, so that if John went to free range chickens. You know what I went to? My career was, I was a, a human resources um, director. What my thought went to was some people go, oh gosh, what a, what a lofty goal. We want to get to heaven together. What does that really mean? That sounds so pie in the sky what that means is you're raising people who are obedient because they've learned to listen to god 
So they're obedient. They are um, docile of spirit and heart. They are living virtue. They are full of character. I'm sorry. I want to hire those people and I want them to make my world a better world is what I'm hearing when I listen to you. I don't want people who are so competitive that they can't um, help anybody else up because they're so competitive and all they did was, you know, do competitive stuff their whole life. I don't want people who think that they have all the answers and that they can't learn from anybody else or receive feedback or anything. But you're describing when you are raising children to go to heaven is you are describing the people that God created us to be, right? People who will listen and who will learn and who will love in such beautiful ways, Beth. Well, and it is a lofty goal and it's, it's challenging. But when you have a lofty goal, then when you're not sure how to make a decision or when some, when you encounter something that is just like, whoa, never didn't see this coming, mm-hmm. that's what anchors you. Yeah. That's what points you in the direction of where your thoughts and discernment process will go. Yeah. You know, is the goal. Yes, it's a lofty goal, but it's not unattainable. Yeah. You know, to live the Catholic family life, you have to be very, very intentional because it's not the norm. It's not the norm anymore. No. Yeah, very, very intentional. Well, what I think, too, is thank you for conviction, uh, conviction for your family, but convicting, um, I think, our listeners mm-hmm. who oftentimes, and as guys, we say, oh, we don't have time because of our jobs or we don't have time because of this, but yet here's a woman that's raising nine kids, a husband that's working, and you're saying, God first, first thing in the morning, God second, midday, because I need to get my prayer time in. By the way, we're going to say a rosary. Mm-hmm. In the midst of nine kids in what could seem like chaos, God enters into and he orders it, and I just want to honor you. Yeah. as doing an amazing, no, no, in all seriousness, doing an amazing job and convicting me when I say, I don't have time to say my prayer today. And I've got two adult kids for the most part. Mm-hmm. My wife's doing her thing. I've got no excuses. You just you just shamed me in a good way. <laughs> and it's saying, I've got you. no excuses, so I'm very convicted. So thank you. Oh, Oh, you're very kind. (laughs) Beth, it's been a blessing to have you with us today. Would you honor us by closing us out in prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. I am all thine, Lord Jesus, and all that I have is thine. Through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I surrender all to you. Take care of everything. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beth von Arks, thank you so much for being an incredible blessing for us today. We um, we will continue to pray for you and for your children, and we're so glad that we met John Paul so we could meet you as well. Amen. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us. Please be with us here in the family room next week where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.